0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Youth Peace Talks. Your hosts today are Clara, that's me, and Leila, that would be you.
1: Yes, I'm Leila. And in today's episode, we thought we would like to dive into the perspective of someone who's worked directly in the field of conflict resolution. Because in the past, we've done some episodes uh, with youth who are mostly involved in NGOs and grassroots initiatives. And today, uh, we hope to inspire you and see what a career in peace building can look like on a national scale. So, to give us a little bit more insight into this career choice, we have Mia Landi here with us. Welcome. You can introduce yourself to the audience.
2: Hi, everyone. Hi, Clara. Hi, Leila. Thank you for your invitation to this podcast. Uh, I will say first that I am Mia Landi Cavanzo. I am a zoologist, and I have a master's degree in archive uh, and memory. And right now, my current position is to monitor the implementation of one of the points of the peace agreement that was signed between the national government of Colombia and one of the guerrillas, the FARC-EP guerrilla. I work with uh, the Clark Institute, that is an institutional w- layer I will uh, explain better their mission but we have to monitor how is the implementation is going and give uh, collect information and provide uh, like a feedback of how we are seeing the implementation I'm working with the uh, political participation chapter that is point two of the peace accord i will also want to say that i am from the Pacific region, especially a city called Cali. Uh, Santiago de Cali is the complete name. And this city is like the main city, uh, the third main city there in Colombia, but in the Pacific region is one of the cities that has um, received different populations from the Pacific, especially with ethnic communities. Um, but there is also a new um, main urban area. So yeah, I will say that.
0: Thank you so much for this introduction. This is super interesting. Um, so you already mentioned a little bit about your work and um, the Koch Institute for Peace and Justice. So why don't we start off, um, maybe you can give a little introduction to kind of how you started your career in peace building. So how did you start off and then what is your
2: work looking like now? Starting in in peace building, I, I will consider like in different in two perspectives, as an activist or maybe as a young activist working with a youth organization, and like in my neighborhood in, in one neighborhood in Cali, working with the Catholic Church, and after that when I um, had my degree as a sociologist, um, I started to analyze and understand what was the meaning of peace building. But after that, I um, I was uh, um, working in like, I think, like four or five years ago. I was working with a feminist organization, Wolf, that combines the feminism and peace building. So yeah, that was like my main uh, introduction to combine the activism and um, as a feminist but all the t- at the same time uh, working uh, for a world without uh, the use of arms and all the uh, mandate that has this feminist organization. Um, but after that in my career, I started to be involved uh, as a um, social researcher in different projects that were, we're uh, looking to Mm, to analyze peace building in the country especially one of the last projects before this position i have was to analyze how the catholic church was involved in peace building and analyze analyze reconciliation and so on so this uh, like this life uh, uh, gets me to this position to with the croque institute this uh, institution is an academic institution located in the United States in Notre Dame in, the south, in south Bend, Indiana. The academic institution was founded in the 80s. So this institution has had a long expertise uh, and involvement in peace building and uh, through research uh, degrees at the very level and created a special project to uh, monitor the implementation of more than thirty peace accords around the world. For monitoring these this, um, peace accords around the world, they create a matrix called the Peace Accord Matrix Fund. Um, and due to this expertise, the national, the Colombian government, um, like the parties that were negotiating the peace agreement in the Havana, in Cuba this uh, Paris decided to include the Croc Institute uh, to monitor the implementation process of the complete agreement that was in process of, 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 of signing. No? Uh, and the Croc Institute is including the last chapter, the sixth chapter of the peace agreement. After this, this decision, the Croc Institute is an American institution and. Uh, decided to create a partnership with the Social National Pastorate um, due to uh, the Catholic uh, roots of both institutions. So they designed a specific project to monitor the peace agro- agreement in Colombia, and they call it the Barometer Initiative or the Barometer Project, um, in which they adapt this huge matrix. They uh, the Pam, and the other uh, the Colombian peace accord. Um, this monitor is very complex, complex because we must monitor more than five uh, hundred commitments, triangulate this commit the information we collect, code it, analyze um, all the data we collect. So mm. it's a project uh, in which we have to be very informed, very technical. Mm be public about how is the status of the implementation and with this perspective we we believe that we can foster an informed debate and move the implementation of the peace uh, agreement forward okay
0: and and then then this is where you you come in right so you also said previously that um you have quite the analytical skills so, is this also what your work mainly contains then? That you do a lot of analysis of, of how they are implemented and check these, check point by point, basically?
2: Yeah. Yes. Yes. And in charge of the point two, uh, as I was saying at the beginning, is the peace agreement has six, six chapters. And each chapter is. Is looking to overcome the causes and problems of the Colombian armed conflict. Um, One of these points is political participation. Uh, In this work, I must dialogue with different stakeholders at the national and the local level, uh, including the implementing actors and civil society organizations through interviews, focus groups, forums. Um, At the same time, I must review uh, different documents that the different actors produce. Um, all this information is not only to be reviewed, but analyzed. Analyze. And what is the meaning yeah. of this information and yeah. what what is telling us to, about the implementation in my case, specifically about point two of the Accord. Um, after this dialogue, after checking the documents, I have to synthesize the information and uh, report in Spanish and English because we work in both languages um, to our team that is located in South Bend, Indiana. We analyze. We decided if this information is helping us to to um, advance the implementation or not. What is the status of the current status of the implementation of those specific commitments? And each month. The US, team, the US team provide us the, con- the coding of the entire monitor of each of the more than 500 uh, stipulations uh, that are included in the peace accord. Um, at the end of the month uh, or each three, five months, we're analyzing uh, the complete data and create reports to be uh, public.
0: So interesting and also it sounds really complex. I think it is quite easy to forget. Um, yeah, I think we often think, you know, with the, once the peace agreement is there, this is it, this is the end, this is this is where I think the attention also often kind of gets shifted to a new um, conflict somewhere else, the international attention. So I think this is really interesting to hear what, what um, work then actually starts and how complex this work is and how important it is to monitor um, everything that is happening from this point onwards really, right? Yeah, thanks so much for explaining your work there a bit. I think this is really uh, a really interesting insight.
1: Also, I noticed it sounds like you have a nice balance between uh, practical work that's very hands-on. You do interviews and uh, focus groups and you get in touch with people. And you also have the very, like, the analytical part, the behind-your-desk kind of uh, work. So so it sounds like a nice, interesting blend. It keeps your work diverse, I guess. Um, Yeah, we
2: we have to balance both types of information. And at the same time, what about what uh, something that Clara was mentioning um, uh, first is not only about signing a peace accord. That is, is like the first step uh, in peace building, in, especially in context of armed conflicts uh, where that is are, are still living. But the next step is the implementation process, and this implementation process is is still another negotiation. So yeah, it's it's a complex. Uh, process that involves a lot of commitments.
1: Yeah, it's a long process as well. And uh, if you're able to share this information, have you noticed any improvement in the implementation of the the peace agreement?
2: Since the signing of the peace accord that was in 2016, there has been different types of improvements but what we are seeing right now is that we're lacking a point of transformation where the all the institutional background or all the institutional architecture was designed but needs to go to the territories that were most affected but they are complex so there are a lot of challenges to to create the peace building in the territories
1: yeah, of course. And so this, uh, I think, is a good transition to the next section of the uh, podcast. We thought we would focus a little bit more about the role of youth in um, in Colombia because we are, of course, the Youth Peace Initiative and we like to provide a youth perspective. But before that, maybe it's useful also to have a little bit of a quick summary of uh, what the situation uh, is like in Colombia. What was the conflict like? And uh, a li- also a little bit of... Um, a summary of what the peace agreement is like if if you're able to do it in a short period of time just to give enough context so that the audience knows yeah. I know it must be there's a lot of information to share because it's always very complex to describe conflicts but if you could give the kind of like an image of what the Colombian conflict has been like
2: yeah I, I know I, I will try to be synthetic <laughs> I will try I will try to do my best um yeah. So to explain the um, Colombian conflict, um first I will have to say that the Colombian armed conflict is a, has been a long standing conflict for more than fifty years and it started and continue because the lack of equal land access, the restriction of political spaces, the drugs problem, and its relationship with corruption, uh, the differential humanitarian consequence of these actions, um, of the action of the armed groups, especially the farc ep guerrilla in ethnic communities, women, and youth people and different territories around Colombia um the Colombian peace agreement. So it was created to be a tool to solve these problems and was signed between the Colombian national government and one of the main guerrillas uh, that was uh, living uh, in Colombia, the FARC, the FARC group. Um, and they were trying to negotiate peace and end their conflict between both actors. And this tool condenses the big changes that the Colombian society requires to overcome the, the conflict in its, causa, in its causes, but also their consequences. It was signed in November 2016. and. Yeah, this peace agreement is one of the most comprehensive, longest, and inclusive agreements uh, between all the 30, 34 agreements that PAM has analyzed. Um, its main innovation of the peace as a peace accord is that it's very inclusive about gender commitments, but also ethnic uh, perspectives. So uh, this peace accord will have an special focus in gender and ethnic, and at, at the same time, the territorial uh, approach. The most ambitious uh, commitments of the peace, of this peace accord are about the political and rural reforms. Uh, these types of reforms will require more time to be implemented more than at least 15 years, uh, unlike the this armament process, uh, that was a short, short action and faster action uh, in contrast of the political reform and so on. So at the end, the implementation process requires patience a commitment.
1: That was a really nice summary. Thank you so much for that. And uh, yeah, it's true, It's nice. it's good to keep in mind that this process is a very long one. If you want to make it sustainable, I guess it has to be done in a very thorough way. And it it will take a long time. But it's nice to see some improvements already. And I thought it was nice to hear from you um, the innovations that were in this peace agreement. And you said that it was inclusive towards specifically gender and also also ethnicities. But I was wondering if there's any inclusion of youth, for example, in this uh, peace agreement. And uh, if you could talk a little bit about the role of youth in this peace agreement and the challenges that youth are facing in Colombia in the context of the conflict?
2: Yes, the young population as children, adolescents, young adults are included in different points of the peace accord. Uh, especially in those commitments related to education, uh, that is point one, rural reform, uh, the opening of democratic spaces for the political participation, that is point two, that is my point, uh, the exit of children as uh, combatants of the FARC guerrilla, that is the point three, of of the conflict and recognition as victims of the armed conflict, that is the point five of the peace accord. So the Colombian peace agreement considers that young people are one of the main excluded and affected population by the armed conflict, especially uh, young people from rural areas because the 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 Colombian conflict has occurred in those areas.
1: Nice. Well, it's nice to hear that it's very specifically uh, mentioned and targeted towards youth. That's really nice to hear, um, because as you're saying, often youth is one of the biggest uh, victims of a conflict, and also is not given a voice to be active in the peace process of the conflict. And so, from this, do you, have you noticed uh, that youth is is involved actively in peace building? or is it uh, mostly they're they're mentioned in a peace agreement but not very active in it?
0: And maybe also from your, um, because you also called yourself an activist, right? So do you see a lot of youth activism in Colombia with regards to, um, yeah, the kind of keeping the peace and um, building
2: reconciliation? Yes, Um, yeah, youth people are one of the main populations in Colombia that are struggling for create peace building. They have a lot of social organizations, platforms. Uh, They are part of the different participation instances that the Peace Accord created. Um, And I just remember two young people that I met in a, a town, a small town, called San Vicente del Caguán in Caquetá. That this city is is like in the, near to the Amazon region, and these two people were not only in the spaces that we were trying to collect the, the information on how was implementation going, but uh, at the end of this of that day, these two the same two people were. Working in the par- in the main park, trying um, to discuss about the memory of the armed conflict and peace building, and they were with the organisations, um, platforms, uh, doing an activity, different activities in the main park, and. Um, Talking about uh, the different peace processes that uh, Colombia has with us, especially in San Vicente, El Caguan, in the 90s, there was a, a failed peace process with the FARC. Uh, uh, but yeah, they were trying to discuss uh, and like to recognize uh, the different actions in their territory and especially uh, recognizing the humanitarian situation against human defenders and social leaders because there has been a lot of increased of the killings against this uh, these target population. So yeah, these two uh, young people reflects how Youth are involved in peace building. How they are working with the different types of populations, and how they mm, are monitoring that the peace process continues, that the peace building process is a reality. Because uh, unfortunately, the Colombian armed conflict uh, is not has not ended. So yeah, this. The, the youth organizations are also so active and doing, for example, marches and protests and keep struggling to to have a, a country in peace.
0: Yeah, thanks for sharing this. I think this was a really interesting example, and it, it really shows how crucial it is that that youth is involved and engaged, really. Um, and yeah, that they're they're doing that and that they are engaged and active yeah, to keep peace and to um continuously work for peace so so this brings us already to the last section of our conversation again we have a quick question round where we have prepared a few questions for you um that are a bit more personal and that um yeah also that we can get to know you a little bit better before we end. we are, we are already at the end of the conversation so first of all um it sounds like you're doing really really important work and you must feel some sort of inspiration from something or someone. Um, Was there a specific person or a a moment in your life that really inspired you to do the work that
2: you do? Yeah. For me, what inspires me most is the Pacific region. Because this region, I was born, uh, but This region has teach me how to be resilient in a continuous armed conflict, how to struggle um, from the different perspectives. There are a lot of social organizations, social movements, social organizations of women, Afro descent, and indigenous people that are each day working to have a territory in peace. So yeah, yeah, the Pacific regions. Inspires most yeah so basically your roots is what
0: inspires you yeah nice and do you have any um, favorite resources or books or documentaries or podcasts that um, you would recommend to our listeners um, if they want to learn a bit more about about the conflict or about the peace agreement or just in general that um, that that you find really interesting and that you would like to share
2: oh a specific do the podcast that was like, <laughs> um, I don't have that in mind, but what I was thinking is I prefer to work uh, with photographs and video, audiovisual archives. So, yeah, uh, my favorite. Because you resources. studied that as well, right? You studied, um, yeah. yeah, archive, yeah, yeah. D- 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 those documents are like my passion. <laughs> yeah. So absolutely. yeah, I, I would recommend to study or to work with audiovisual archives uh, because those um, archives has uh, have a lot of information and and can evoke uh, different perspectives. Yeah. So yeah, okay. and you will find photographs in the digital. Um, world but also in your family book or something like that so yeah you will find those uh, documents in different spaces. A bit like
0: time traveling isn't it to learn more about the past and get inspired yeah interesting okay and and another question so if there's anyone you would like to have dinner with who would it be and why?
2: I I will uh, go again to my roots So I would like to have a dinner with my two great-grandmother who were Afro-descendants and they were from Choco, eh, that is a a region um, of the African diaspora. So eh, I would love to know their recipes, their stories, yeah, from the first hands. Yeah,
0: I think that's a really, really good choice. Um, That would be a really nice dinner, wouldn't it? And The last question for you today, where do you see yourself in five years?
2: Yeah, I would love to be working on a doctorate, uh, studying social movements, uh, peace building and artificial archives. Yeah, I would love to combine all my passions.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a very solid plan you have there, Um, really combining your passions and your interests. I, I definitely see you there in five years as well. <laughs> <laughs> I hope <have> so. <to. laughs> so we've already reached the end once again. Um, but thank you so much, Mia This was really interesting. And I, um, I've already heard a little bit of your work before this conversation that we had here. But now I really got um, a very deep insight into it. And this was really inspiring to me. it was
1: particularly inspiring i thought that you brought up the this connection to your roots and uh, the you know this inspiration that you have from your roots and that's really beautiful really amazing all the work that you're doing it's very inspiring and uh sounds like you have you're very busy with it (laughs) good (laughs) luck with it (laughs) Uh, thank you so so much much.
2: (laughs) (laughs) okay thank you so much of course
0: bye to our listeners for now and um, we hope you come back And listen to our next episode as well. And that you enjoyed our conversation with Mia Lundy here today. (laughs) Bye-bye.